Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. Guest speaker Tom West is starting out our new study in the book of Ephesians with the introduction to Ephesians. Well, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians for the next six weeks. And in that time, I would like to challenge you to memorize something in the book of Ephesians. Well, I'm excited to be here this morning because I get the privilege of introducing our next six-week study in the book of Ephesians. And I want to build a bridge this morning between the Psalms where we have been to the book of Ephesians. And it was stated last week by Joel when he said this from Bruce Waltke, to find yourself in the Psalms is to find yourself in Christ. Well, we've left the Psalms, but this morning we're going to find ourselves in Christ. Before we get to Ephesians, I want to follow up on a couple of things that were said last week because they were so perfect to introduce this book. First, Jeremy got up and said he felt alone oftentimes. He said he had occasional friends, sometimes friends, that only came around when they needed something. This is not a place like that. This is a wonderful place. I had an opportunity to talk to a missionary yesterday, and he was telling me about the great things that God is doing in South America and the UAE. And this morning, I thought great things are also happening at Hollyview. Because last week, we had some testimonies. This week, we have baptisms. We have a full house. God is busy here as he is in the rest of the world. And we should praise him because of that. And then Hillary got up and said that she and her husband were trying to adopt a sibling group. But every time they met one of these groups, God closed the door. Why? Because God had a specific sibling group for the Fontenots. He chose a family for them. And that's what we're going to talk about today also, is unity, doing things together. You know, our bulletin says... We are a community of Jesus followers. And I looked up the word community. And in it is the word unity. And it has an idea of withness. Never heard that word before. But it has the idea of withness. In other words, we do things together. We do things as a group. We're a community, as we just saw this morning. 
What a beautiful picture of people coming around us so we're not lonely. We've been put into a group of believers. And that's what this book is about. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning that you have chosen us to be a part of your family. We don't have to be alone because we're in a community where you have placed us. And we're forever friends. Thank you for that, Lord. And as we look into Ephesians this morning, help us to have open hearts and open minds so we can see you and change whatever is necessary to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have been given the opportunity to introduce us to the book of Ephesians, and I want to do three, actually four introductions this morning, but the first one is to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, and then to the author, Paul, and then to the city itself of Ephesus. And I'll forget a lot of details, but first of all, I want to give you an introduction to Ephesians, an outline. And the outline is this, very simple. The first three books talk about doctrine. And the last three chapters talk about action or practice. And isn't that what the Christian life is about? Truth and action. So this is a picture of the Christian life. The theme of Ephesians is being one in Christ, as the logo said this morning. One in Christ, unity. The key verse, which will be up on the screen, key verses, chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 11 to 13. And it says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So Ephesians presents the church, the universal church, as the body of Christ fitted together with living stones growing into a living temple in the Lord. So that's what we are. We are small pieces, stones, living stones that make up the body of Christ. This book was written from prison. Paul was in Ro in Rome in prison and he wrote this book to a group of friends who he loved. The author is Paul who was previously known as Saul. <clears throat> I lost my train of thought. I guess that's OK, because we're in a group, and we love each other. <laughs> the author is Paul, who was a Roman citizen by birth. He was a Jew also, and he was a Pharisee which meant he was one of the leaders of the Israelites spiritually. He was the most prolific writer in the New, in the New Testament, writing 13 books. 
some to individuals and some to churches. He was the minister or the missionary to the Gentiles. But Paul started out on the wrong foot. Back in Acts, chapter 7, is the first time we see this man named Saul. It was at the stoning of Stephen. And it says the people who were throwing the stones took off their robes and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. I presume they took off their robes so they could throw better, so they could hit the target. And Saul was in total agreement with what they were doing. But I think God saved him from actually throwing the stones. But it says he was cheering them on. Nice shot. That was a good one at the murder of Stephen. And then in chapter 8, it says Paul began ravaging the churches. And then we come to verse 9, to chapter 9 in Acts, and it says this. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. And there was a man named Ananias in the city who was told by God, Go and see Paul and remove the scales from his eyes. And Ananias said, "Uh, No, thank you. This is a nasty guy, and he wants to either kill me or throw me in prison. And then verse 15 of Acts chapter 9, it says this, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Then verse 20. My eyes are not so good. There it is. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus to the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. So Paul, Saul, excuse me, met Jesus, and he went from persecutor to proclaimer immediately. And only God can do that. Only God can take a life that is miserable and change it into something that's brand new. Then we come to Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was a large city. It was probably the, most, the second most important city in all of the Roman Empire next to Rome itself. It was a place that was sitting on the west coast of what is present-day Turkey, and it was the main road between just about anywhere to the east and Rome. It was a big city. It was a commercial city. It had about 250,000 people in it. They had an arena there that would hold 50,000 spectators. And they had 
One of the seven wonders of the world in Ephesus, it was the Temple of Diana, or Artemis. It was four, approximately 450 feet long and 225 feet wide and 60 feet high. It was huge. One of the seven wonders of the world. In it and around it were all kinds of pagan, evil, idolatrous activities. It was an idolatrous place to live. But Paul spent two years there, and he had maybe his most effective missionary work in this city of Ephesus. So much so that all the world in that region heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Revelation, Ephesus is mentioned. It's the first city or church that was written to by John. And it was said that they had left their first love and they were to repent and do the things that they had done at the first. So we have a brief introduction to Ephesians, to the author. Some said that Paul did not write this, but the Bible clearly says he did. So we're going to go with that. The author is Paul, and then the city itself. Now would you stand with me as I read Ephesians chapter 1. Now we get to the good stuff. First four verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Let's pray. Father, as we begin to look into this amazing book of Ephesians, would you help us to see what you would have us to see? And Lord, thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The first words that I would like you to notice in these first four verses is that three times it says, in Christ or in him. That's the beauty of this Ephesians, this book of Ephesians, is that we are in Christ. Three times in four verses. And more than 30 times throughout the book of Ephesians, it is mentioned that we are in Christ. What a beautiful place to be. The second word I would like you to notice is saints in verse 1. It says, to the saints who are in Ephesus, the saints, the holy ones, the set-apart ones, the useful ones, I want you to notice who he was writing to. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. 
It says this, and you, Ephesians, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. These people were rotten people. They were children of wrath. Another version says objects of wrath. Now, when I think of objects of wrath right now, I think of voles, little field mice that run around in my garden and dig holes everywhere. <laughs> They're objects of my wrath, and I try and eliminate them. And that's actually what God is saying, what Paul is saying here. You were like that. You were objects of wrath, children of wrath. You deserve the anger and the terror of God. So how can he, in verse 1 of chapter 1, say that they're saints? It makes no sense. Well, if we read on in verse 4 of chapter 2, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So he took objects of wrath or children of wrath and turned them into saints. Is that not amazing? Just like Paul. Paul was, an, he, he was a nasty person. People were scared of him. He met Jesus on the road, and he was changed completely. And you too, and I, hopefully, have been changed completely. We've been changed into saints. And then it says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the next word I would like you to um, notice in verse 3 here of chapter 1. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Now, the word has is a present possessive word. In other words, I could say, I have this Bible. It's in my hands. It's, it's in my possession. These spiritual blessings, we don't receive them someday way off in the future. It says we have them now. They're ours. We need to begin living like they are ours. Well, what are some of these spiritual blessings? Well, we talked already about two of them, grace and peace in verse 2. In chapter 2, we, we talked about mercy of God and his great love for us. What are some of the others? Salvation, hope, eternal life. There are a host of other wonderful spiritual blessings that we already possess. They're ours. 
amazing. So then in verse 4 of chapter 1, I want you to notice this next word. It says, even as he chose us, he chose us. Let me explain to you how it happens on the playground. In my ex teaching experience, I had an extra duty, and one of those things was monitoring the children as they played, elementary students as they played on, the on lunch recess. And let me admit to you now, I was the worst monitor that has ever been on the playground. Because wherever the children were playing, that's where I was. If there hadn't been another adult on the playground, children probably would have died. Because <laughs> I just wanted to be where they were. So if there was a ball bouncing somewhere, that's where I was. I was playing tag with the kids. I loved playing on recess when I was a kid and when I was a teacher. It was great. But when the kids come running out of the classroom, one of them would yell, first captain. Someone else would yell, second captain. And then the choosing would begin. I want you, and I want you. And the first two or three choices are wonderful. They're easy because why? There's merit involved. Somehow that person that I choose has merit, and he can help my team, or she can help my team. I want them on my team. And then the choosing gets a little slower because those people aren't quite as good. I'm not sure I want them on my team, but they're there, and maybe I will pick them. And then there's a couple of little kids in the back thinking, I might not get chosen at all. Has that ever happened to you? When you got passed over? Maybe it was your first love that walked out on you. Maybe it was a job that you didn't get. Maybe it was a promotion you didn't get. Maybe it was the career or the school you wanted to get into and you didn't make it because your grades or your value was not high enough. But notice, that's not how God chooses. That's not how God chooses at all. It's not based on merit. It's based on his mercy and his incredible love that he has for us. Notice when he chose. It says he chose us before the foundation of the world. Let that sink in for a minute. He chose you before Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He chose you before Noah built the ark to rescue his family. He chose you before the first sin in, in the Garden of Eden. Why? Well, let me introduce you to me. I am a mess, spiritually. You know, God gave the children of Israel 10 commandments. And I broke every single one of them. Now, I didn't actually murder anyone. But according to Christ, 
If I had anger in my heart, it was like killing the person I was angry with. So guilty on 10 charges. In Malachi chapter 2, it says several things that God hates. And one of them is, says God hates divorce. Guilty. So I'm a mess spiritually. Well, how about physically? Maybe there's something in me that God would want. Well, not so much. I have neuropathy in my feet, which makes it hard to balance. I have a knee that's held together by a plate and screws. I have mesh holding my stomach together. I'm absent one kidney because of cancer. I have heart problems. I have tremors in my hands. I have nothing that God would want. But think about when he chose me. He chose me first. It was like first captain. I want Tom on my team. Not because of my worth, but because of his great love. Well, I want to take you back to Psalm 15 and 24 for just a minute. Because these chapters in Psalms ask the question, who can stand in God's holy temple? And who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Well, we realize that no one can. Because no one except Christ can claim integrity, clean hands, and a pure heart, and always speaking the truth. I don't think there's anyone in here who can claim that. Certainly not me. In Christ, he's the only one. But here our message today is that we are actually in Christ. So... I drew a picture for you. And you're going to see right away that I'm not a good artist. This is my life. That's as good as I can draw. It's a mess. These are all the things that I did that I shouldn't do. And that I should do that I didn't do. And all my shortcomings and all my near misses and all my almosts, and all my complete failures. But I have taken my life and put it inside Christ's life. And now my life is hidden in Christ. And when God looks at me with all of my stuff, he can say, as in verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Because I am in Christ, who can stand in his holy temple? I can. You can. 
If you're in Christ, who can ascend his holy hill? I can't because I'm in Christ. And that's my only merit. I'm in Christ. Now, if you are here today and you're not in Christ, the Bible says you are dead in your trespasses and your sin. You're messed up. But if you choose today, he's already chosen you. If you choose him today, you will have all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places that God has to offer. Don't leave here today without talking to someone if you are in that camp. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this book of Ephesians that we're going to dive in deeply. I pray, Father, that you would help us to see you more clearly. Help us to see ourselves more clearly. Help us to understand that we are no longer broken and messed up. But you can call us saints, holy and blameless before him because we are in Christ. Thank you so much, Father, for the spiritual blessings that you have already given to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.